Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. for joining us this morning. Before I turn the call over, I need to advise that certain statements made during this call today may contain forward-looking information and actual results could differ from the conclusions or projections in that forward-looking information, which include, but are not limited to, statements with respect to the estimation of mineral reserves and resources, the timing and amount of estimated future production, cost of production, capital expenditures, future metal prices, and the cost and timing of the development of new projects. For a complete discussion of the risks, uncertainties, and factors which may lead to actual financial results and performance being different from the estimates contained in the forward-looking statements, please refer to Yamana's press release issued earlier this morning announcing first quarter 2020 results as well as the management's discussion and analysis for the same period and other regulatory filings in Canada and the United States. I would like to remind everyone that this conference call is being recorded and will be available for replay today at 12 p.m. Eastern Time. Replay information and the presentation slides accompanying this conference call and webcast are available on Yamana's website at yamana.com. I will now turn the call over to Mr. Daniel Racine, President and CEO. Thank you, Operator. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our first quarter conference call. With me today is Jason LeBlanc, our CFO. These are challenging times for everyone, and I hope that you and your loved ones are healthy and safe. Here at Yamana, we are doing everything we can to protect our employees and their families, and working closely with our host communities to support their needs during this challenging period. On this slide, you are seeing some examples of the efforts that the company's operation are making to support our host communities. Hundreds of thousands of dollars have been allocated to setting up of support funds for communities in the coming weeks and, and months. You can find more detail in our MDNA. There are currently no confirmed or suspected cases of COVID-19 at any of our operations but the pandemic has impacted our business. Two of, of our mines, Canadian Malartic and Cerro Moro, were temporarily impacted late in the first quarter due to government restrictions related to COVID-19. The suspensions and the gradual ramp up of mining post suspension have impacted our 2020 outlook. We are now forecasting gold production for the year at 786,000 ounces. Silver production has been revised to 10.25 million ounces. And geo ounces are projected at 890,000 ounces. On a mine-by-mine basis, our 50% share of gold production at Canadian Malartic is now expected to be 275,000 ounces. We are projecting 2020 gold and silver production at Cerro Moro of 96,000 ounces and 6.2 million ounces of silver with geo production now seen at 160,000 ounces. I'll explain the difference in the next slide. I would like to know that we are taking a conservative approach 
to our revised guidance for several more in Canadian Maratic and believe there is potential upside. I'm pleased to report that we are increasing our 2020 production forecast for Jacobina to 168,000 ounces of gold. The increase come after the mine posted yet another record for quarterly production due to higher grade and increased throughput. El Pinion is forecasting to produce 162,000 ounces of gold and 4.3 million ounces of silver. Geo production is forecast at 202,000 ounces. The change is entirely attributable to our revised GEO guidance ratio, which is due to the relative outperformance of gold price to silver price. Production guidance for Minera Florida has been revised slightly to 85,000 ounces of gold. The revision reflects a temporary workforce reduction that was implemented in March in conjunction with local authorities and unions related to workers who are not from the region to enhance social distancing and reduce the possibility of community infection. Please know that our revised guidance is being provided based on what is currently known. There continues to be uncertainties that may impact our operation and affect production and cost. Like El Pinion, our updated geo ratio impacted geo guidance for several models reducing our geo production forecast by 11,000 ounces. The government restriction, restriction introduced on March 20th resulted in periods when production at Cerro Moro was limited or nailed. This restriction included a travel ban and a mandatory social isolation order. Even after restrictions on mining were lifted, production was limited due to the consultation with government around reinstating travel to Cerro Moro. The implementation of precautionary measure and the overall workforce remobilization. The ramp up of operation began late this month and will continue through early May with a gradual increase in production. The suspension and subsequent ramp up required a change in mine plan that is expected to extend on into mid-June. As part of this, the stockpile will be accumulated and for certain period, this will limit the, the processing of ore. While the stockpile is not immediately needed, it will enable future processing flexibility. Due to the suspension of and gradual resumption of operation, higher grade ore that we had planned to mine and process late in 2020 will be deferred to future period as part of normal mine sequencing. As mentioned, production guidance is being conservatively estimated, and we believe with strong execution and an efficient ramp-up, that may do better. Canadian Malartic was temporarily suspended on March 24th and resumed operation on April 15th, after the Quebec government lifted restriction on mining. Processing operation resumed within a few days, and remobilizing work crew. The ramp-up is expected to take two to four weeks with the full attention to health and safety protocol, including temperature check and an enhanced screening for anyone seeking entry to the mine, mandatory social distancing and enhanced cleaning and disinfecting. Our revised guidance assumes a conservative ramp-up. Due to the temporary suspension and gradual ramp-up, we will be deferring the processing 
of high-grade ore that has originally been planned for Q4 as part of the updated plan. In addition, a scheduled mill shutdown, maintenance shutdown is expected to require more than the typical four-day period to complete to accommodate social distancing protocol. To the extent that maintenance can be performed more efficiently, it will benefit production. Despite the impact and challenges caused by COVID-19 pandemic, we had a very strong first quarter. Our total recallable injury frequency rate was 0.39 at quarter end, and after one year of measurement on our social license to operate index, results show strong trust and acceptance across our, our operation. During the quarter, we continued to monetize our non-producing asset to improve our financial flexibility and provide optionality. We entered into a definitive purchase agreement to sell a portfolio of royalty interest and the contingent payment to be received upon declaration of commercial production at the deep carbonate project at Guacamayo Mine for a total consideration of $65 million. Following the completion at the market merger between Leo Gold and Equinox, a subsequent to quarter end, we closed the sale of 12 million units of Equinox for $120 million Canadian dollar. Each unit include one common share and one half of a common share purchase warrant of Equinox. If all warrants are exercised, total gross proceed to Yamana would be $201 million Canadian. As you may have seen, we have announced an agreement earlier this week to option up to 40% interest in our SUI Gold project to a very highly respected Argentina portfolio management and capital market company based in Argentina. We're excited about this agreement and the potential to advance the project. During the quarter, we have decreased net debt by a further 20 million due to positive cash flow from operation. At quarter end, net debt was 869.1 million. Taking into account the receipt of found from aforementioned Equinox unit sale, our net debt balance at quarter end would have been approximately 786 million on a pro forma basis. This time last year, our net debt was 0.77 billion. And with our significant improved financial, financial flexibility, we have increased our dividend for a third time in the past year cumulatively increasing it by 213%. Net increase during the quarter were 45 million or five cents per share. Adjusted net earning was 47.2 million, also five cents per share. Cash flow continue to be very robust, robust with cash flow before net change in net working capital of 164.6 million. Normalized cash flows from operating activities before net change in working capital of 168.1 million and free cash flow before dividend and debt repayment of 38.9 million. We produced 192,238 ounces of gold during the quarter, notwithstanding the temporary suspension at Canadian Arctic and Cerro Moro. Jacobina, El Pinion, and Minera Florida had all had exceptional quarters exceeding their production target. Silver production was 2.73 million ounces 
following a strong performance from El Pinon, Wajio production of 221,746 ounces was in line with plan. Cash costs of six. 694 per geo and all in sustaining costs of 1032 per geo were better than planned despite the geo ratio being higher at 94.23 than original guidance of 86.10 costs were positively impacted by foreign exchange movement as a result of canadian dollar brazilian real argentinian peso and chilean pesos all weakening against the u.s dollar Jacobina achieved its objective for the Phase 1 expansion of 6,500 tons per day, a full quarter ahead of schedule, and it did so without the benefit from the installation of further plant modification scheduled for completion in mid-2020. Phase 1, in short, has gone better than planned, and we are currently evaluating whether there's an opportunity to further optimize daily throughput above 6,500 tons per day as part of this phase. With respect to phase two, the profitability study, which evaluates an increase in throughput to 75 to 8,500 tons per day, is now complete. Preliminary results indicate that total capital costs of 57 million, with 35 million related to the processing plan, 14 million for underground mining, and 8 million for infrastructure. The phase two expansion would increase Jacobina's annual production to 230,000 ounces and reduce operating costs with a positive impact on cash flow. More comprehensive and detailed information relating to phase two pre-feasibility study will follow in a separate announcement early next month. And a 43101 report will also be published in May. I should also note that additional production from phase two is not included in our guidance. As mentioned, our Q1 results were very strong. Despite the temporary suspension at Moro and Canadian Arctic, if they were not impacted in total, we would have finished Q1 on track to be ahead of our original guidance since at the beginning of the year. We are encouraged by the early 2020 performance of our mind. We had decided to provide you with our internal budget numbers for the quarter, so you can see how each operation tracked. For production, as you can see, only Canadian Monarchic and Silver Moro were below budget, while Jacobina, El Pinion, and Minera Florida all exceeded our budget. Production of 222,000 geo ounces was exactly in line with budget. On cost, we actually tracked better than our Q1 budget. On Cerro Moro, only Moro saw costs higher than our budget, and again, this was due to the government restriction during the quarter. I will now turn it over to Jason to discuss the financial. Thank you, Daniel, and good morning, everyone. Turning now to our financial performance, revenue in the first quarter was $356.5 million compared to $407.1 million in the same period of 2019. The decrease reflects the company's current portfolio of five mines this quarter compared to the first quarter of 2019, which included contributions from six mines, including Shapata. However, this was partly offset by higher gold and silver prices, 
as well as increases in sales, sales volumes from Jacadina, El Peñon, and Minera, Florida. And despite the year-over-year decrease in revenue, gross margin exceeding DDNA increased slightly to $202.2 million. GNA expenses decreased by $5.7 million, or 27%, compared to the same period in 2019 due to corporate overhead reductions as we scaled our cost structure to our current portfolio of assets following the sale of Chapada. Net earnings were $45 million, or $0.05 cents per share. The net effect of adjusting items was neutral in the quarter, so we also had adjusted earnings of $0.05 cents per share as well. Quarterly cash flow performance reflected the impact of both strong production and gold prices, as well as the positive impact of foreign exchange movements on cost structure. Cash flows from operating activities during the quarter were $129.4 million and cash flows from operating activities before net change in working capital were $164.6 million. Free cash flow before dividends and debt repayments during the quarter was $38.9 million, and we reduced net debt during the quarter by a further $20 million to just under $870 million. With the recent proceeds of the Equinox sale, pro forma net debt was $786 million at March 31st. If we go back one year, to the end of Q1 2019, our net debt was sitting at about $1.77 billion. So we've been able to reduce net debt by about $1 billion in 12 months. The majority of that follows the proceeds from the Chapada sale, but more recently that has been from the free cash flow generation of the company. Given the uncertainty of the COVID pandemic, we drew down $200 million of our $750 million revolving credit facility as a precautionary measure in March but we do not expect to utilize any of these funds. Before I get into our revised outlook, it is important to note the impact of how the gold equivalent ratio has moved since earlier this year. Gold has performed exceptionally well year-to-date relative to silver, which has significantly increased the GEO ratio observed in the market compared to the ratio assumed in initial 2020 guidance. With our revised 2020 guidance, we have updated the assumed ratio to better reflect that movement. In our original guidance, we assumed a ratio of 86.1. We're now assuming a ratio of 98.85 for the full year. The result is that silver production accounts for less less ounces in gold equivalent terms following that change. The impact to our 2020 production guidance from our new ratio assumption is approximately 17,000 GEO from this change in the GEO ratio only from our mines that produce silver. The remainder of the reconciliation of the change in our guidance is from the COVID impacts at Cerro Moro and Malarctic and the guidance increase at Jacobina. Turning to additional items in our guidance, we are continuing to assess the impact of COVID-19 on costs in relation to guidance assumptions previously provided in February. So for now, we wanted to provide a directional update on costs and to say our costs are expected to be higher, but we will provide a further update, more detailed update at a later date. For now, we are providing some indications of the impacts we are experiencing and anticipating ahead of that further update. As a result of the aforementioned GEO ratio assumed, we estimate an increase of approximately $20 per GEO on our ASIC. A larger GEO ratio results in total costs being divided over less GEO ounces and, incre- and in increasing the overall cost per unit reported. The second impact is the positive tailwinds from foreign 
weaker foreign exchange rates than those assumed in our original guidance, which represents about $35 per GEO at current FX rates. Finally, in association with COVID-19, costs are also expected to be impacted primarily by the lower GEO levels and unit cost impacts from the reguided production, but also the demobilization, ramp-ups, and workforce safety measures put in place. While costs will be most significantly impacted during Q2, we expect consolidated ASIC for the full year may be in the range of 5% higher than previously guided. We also expect capital to be scaled to the new guidance level as we will have natural deferrals in capital spend in association with delays related to COVID-19, both from a sustaining and expansionary capital perspective. The expected reduction in capital spend for the year is between 15 and $20 million. And lastly, total DDNA is being reguided to $470 million for 2020 in association with the reduction in quantities sold. Overall, when thinking about our 2020 outlook, despite the impact to production and costs from COVID, the company's margins and cash flow generation will benefit from the positive response to gold prices during this unprecedented uncertainty. So cash flows remain healthy this year despite the COVID impacts. As we look out to next year and beyond, our cash flow platform has improved meaningfully due to the higher gold price and the weaker operating currencies and reductions in other cost inputs we're seeing over the longer term. And with that, I will hand the call back over to Daniel. Thank you, Jason. While these are unprecedented, unprecedented time for everyone, we believe our business may be in a better position than it has ever been. Our cash flow and financial flexibility continue to rise against the backdrop of a favorable gold price environment. Our balance sheet and liquidity is strong and getting stronger while net debt continues to decline. And our growing financial strength is underpinned by a strong asset portfolio that is performing exceptionally well. A testament to our people who, despite the uncertainty and challenge posed by COVID-19, have risen to the occasion and done a remarkable job. And with that, we'll be happy to take your question. Operator? Thank you. If you are if you are using a speakerphone, please lift your handset prior to making your selection. If you have a question, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. If at any time you wish to cancel your question, please press the pound sign. Please press star 1 at this time if you have a question. There will be a brief pause while the participants register. Thank you for your patience. The first question is from Ralph Profiti with 8 Capital. Please go ahead. Uh, good morning, everyone. Thanks for taking my questions. Uh, Daniel, I have two on uh, Jacobina, please. Um, firstly, the presentation talks about moving this to feasibility study stage uh, in the middle of 2021. And I don't mean to get ahead too far, but can you tell us a little bit about what studies you're looking at and maybe what gets you most excited is, is exploration side and things like reserve grade, uh, most of the optionality going forward, or is there processing optimization as well? Well, like we said, you're going to see next, uh, thank you for the question, Ralph, but uh, you're going to see next week we're going to release a lot more detail on the uh, the prefeasibility study. So the prefeasibility study is completed. Uh, we're we, we're going to wait before releasing any anything really special about it. We want to uh, 
to stabilize the operation at the end of June. As you, you know, phase one will be completed by then. We want to know what's the base case at, at Jacobina. Uh, you know, stabilize the operation. Then after that, put that in our in our study and complete uh, a feasibility study. So right now, the, the profitability sh study shows it's, it's a no-brainer to go ahead uh, with this. But we want to continue drilling. You mentioned a good point. You know, we had many success in exploration at Jacobina. Right now, all the drilling is stopped, but we're slowly restarting. We have, uh, as you all know, we have very good grade going uh, deeper at, at Jacobina, the zone extent. So we, we want to make sure that we capture all the potential to put in the, the study. So more drilling, transferring more inferred into uh, reserve will help. Right now, uh, with the study, we don't really obtain our 16 years of mine life. We want that to, to happen before we, we go ahead with the project. Anyway, there was no capital spent this year, so that's yeah. a good thing. And then nothing has to be spent before mid-next year. So that gave us plenty of time to complete the, the, the fee study before that. Okay. And, and when it comes to the Pace Backfill Plant, it, it, it sounds like this is a separate study uh, going on outside of any pre-feasibility study or feasibility study. Can you just maybe touch on uh, the, the process and the timing on when we could see an update on that? And, and by my estimates, if, if you get approved for 2,000 tons per day, that would take the TSF above 20 years. Is that the right way to think about it at the 8,500 ton per day scenario? Yeah, the uh, you're right. The uh, the backfield plan is a separate study. It's not big capital, but we wanted to keep it separate from the uh, the expansion. It will be roughly a 2,000 ton per day uh, backfill plan, and you're absolutely right. That will uh, extend the mine life of the the tailing facilities uh, quite longer. So we had already over 16 years of mine life. Uh, putting 2,000 ton per day back into the underground will extend the uh, the mine life. So basically, the uh, the uh, the uh, the the backfill uh, will help to extend the, the mine life yeah. of the uh, the tailing facility. Yes, that's it for me. Thanks very much. Thank you, Ralph. Thank you. The next question is from Josh Wilson with RBC. Please go ahead. Thank you. I just wanted to ask a question on the uh, dividend policy going forward. Um, recognize there's been a significant increase over the last year, uh, but just thinking, you know, going forward with the level of net debt where it is uh, and as well where gold prices where they are, how do you see the dividend policy uh, changing going forward and, and what is it sort of based on? Uh, good morning, Josh. Good question. So, yes, uh, you know, last year when we first increased the dividend, we said it, that we had targets to where we wanted to bring the dividend. Uh, at the end of this last year was about $50 million per year total. Now it's going to be uh, $60 million uh, per year in total. Uh, we said we want to be between 60, uh, 50 and 100. So that's the first step to be to go towards the 100 as we generate more free cash flow uh, this year with our interest going down. That's what we're saying. We want to give it back to our shareholders. They've been patient in the past uh, few years and then uh, nothing has changed. We announced that we wanted to be between 50 and 600 million per year. We're getting towards the uh, that target. Okay, so when you're stress testing, I guess, downside um, risks for the company, 
um, you know, what sort of price assumptions are you using within within that sort of um, base case where the, the dividend can still fully be covered? Well, it's only a $10 million increase, but Jason can give you the detail. Yeah, Josh, I guess the way to look at it is that we, yeah, we're definitely not uh, basing decisions on, you know, current spot prices in the, in the market today. You know, we've we budget at uh, much lower gold prices, sensitize it uh, to the downside. And I think the further complement to that is the that dividend reserve fund that will will build up uh, over over time. I think the um, the recent uh, disposition of Equinox shares is uh, is another step towards uh, just back backstopping that that approach with the dividend as well. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Thank you. The next question is from Fahad Tariq with Credit Suisse. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning. Thanks for taking my question. Just just one from me. Um, in the release, you mentioned you're still targeting leverage below one times net debt to EBITDA, and part of that will be monetization of non-producing assets. Maybe tell us, does Agua Rica fit into that? Well, good morning, Fahad. Uh, you know, we're going to reach the one without Agua Rica. Only what what we have done so far, and then the free cash flow generated from the the company, the mines, the operation, will reach that target of one. Uh, we said before at the end of 2021, we think we're going to reach the net debt below one uh, by the end of of this year. So if we bring Agorica or some money from Agorica, we'll then uh, bring that uh, leverage ratio lower than one. So okay, we don't thanks. need that. We don't need Agorica to reach the one. Okay, that's clear. Thank you. Thank you. Once again, please press star one at this time if you have a question. The next question is from Anita Sony with CIBC. Please go ahead. Good morning, everyone. So first, thanks for all the detail in this presentation. It really helps with um, the guidance going forward. Uh, secondly, Josh asked my questions about dividends, so I'm going to address uh, debt. Um, are there any plans to um, to potentially refinance your debt given the favorable terms that are out there at this point? Good morning, Anita. Jason. Morning. Yeah. Good morning, Anita. Um, you know, no. I think what we've we've said is that in the short term, it's going to be a uh, you know, it's a net net debt story. Um, we don't have any any debt of significance due until uh, 2022. So I think the things we'd be doing between now and then would be. You know, building that uh, cash balance, building that cash reserve fund, and seeing that devil net debt levels uh, reduce, and then ultimately reducing gross debt as we as we get up there as well. So, uh, no, we don't we don't see this as a refinance story. We want to see the gross debt be, be reduced. Okay, and then a second question, I guess, tying in what I think are sort of the big picture themes that people are going to be looking at, which is basically, um, you know, if gold prices stay where they are. Uh, there's generally a, a lot of free cash flow coming the way of the senior producers and the intermediates. And, you know, what what do you think are your capital allocation priorities? So we've addressed dividends, debt. Um, and then in terms of the projects after Jacobina, could you remind us what the highest priority projects are for you? Yeah, there's, uh, you know, we have Canadian Monarchic, but it's not before three or four years from now. Uh, we might start the ramp later this year, but it's small capital uh, we might increase. Uh, we might will probably increase drilling at uh, East Goldie as we have success. You know, we release our uh, resources and reserve the resources there in February. But 
the close was in November. So we drilled November, December, January, February, and March, and we had very good result. The resources has continued to increase there. We're doing an internal PA. So that's one priority with Jacobina uh, for us. Agorica is the other one. Uh, we're advancing the, uh, the feasibility study. Uh, it's been delayed a bit uh, because of COVID-19. So now the fee study will be completed more uh, early next year. So first quarter or second quarter, first, I'll say first half of next year. But it's also a priority, as you all know, uh, we, we, I like the project, we like the project, we're uh, 56% owner of it. We will develop it, probably no, but we would like to be involved in the development. So on capital allocation, basically there's no big capital, except if we go ahead with Jacobina, and that's, you saw that amount is 57 million, nothing before mid next year. So it's basically end of next year and then in 2021. After that, the the next one will be Malartic in, in three to four years from now. So this right, is I'll why free cash free cash flow is, is is going up, and then with gold price going up, all that free cash flow will reduce the debt, the net debt, and the debt, and then uh, then uh, give more to shareholders with the dividend. All right. Uh, thanks for that, um, and I'll leave it at that. Thank you. Thank you, Anita. Thank you. The next question is from Tanya Japuskinek with Scotiabank. Please go ahead. Ah, uh, yes. Good morning, everybody. Um, just maybe um, circling back, just uh, Jason. On um, you know, you talked about the all-in sustaining costs moving up about five percent or, or thereabouts. Um, can you just talk a little bit about your hedging um, philosophy? Um, have you done any hedging? in currency and or fuel that can help offset some of that? Sure, yeah, thanks, uh, thanks, Tanya. The, um, we, we have done some Canadian dollar hedging. I guess we announced that when we put out our, our prelim, uh, prelim production results uh, a little, little while ago. So I think we put on about $90, $90 million of hedges at a, uh, a collar from 138 to 145. So that just protects the... That Canadian dollar uh, cash flow exposure. You know, Canadian dollar is our uh, largest exposure. We didn't have any any hedges on, so we felt that was a good idea. We do have existing hedges uh, in place uh, for both uh, the Brazilian real and the, and the and the Chilean peso stretching uh, through this year as well. So I think it's always been an important part of our you know philosophy to try to try to lock in those cash flows. Um, and you know, we continue to, to do that. And by doing that, I think with the rising gold price, uh, we're seeing the margins uh, improve as well. Okay, so, so since announcing that um, $90 million, um on the Canadian dollar, nothing else has been done in the Canadian nothing dollar else, or any other currency? No, no, and I guess you did ask about uh, about fuel as well. Yeah. Fuel, we, we, haven't, uh, we haven't done anything there. You know, I, I would say we are obviously seeing a benefit from, from fuel at the larger um, larger open pit operation in Malartic, a little bit at Cerro Moro because of uh, the, the the diesel uh, generated power down down there. You know, probably five to ten million dollars of, of of total total savings that we that would be embedded in the the comments on on the cost. And okay, so so um, maybe your just your hedging philosophy. Um, just how do you look at it right now? 
Well, definitely nothing on the on on the top line. I think no uh, no interest to to hedge out the precious metals. We're we're comfortable in our cost structure. We'll continue to manage our costs. This year is more challenging. Um, you know, you saw we had a good start to to Q1. You know, COVID uh, kicks in. The story from COVID is is really more a story of of the unit effect. Not you know, there's a, there's there's dollar cost as well, but it's mainly the units that have, have gone down. And the costs uh, in total dollars haven't gone down as much. So I think that's the way to think about it. There are, will be some incremental costs for us to deal with at the operations as we deal with, you know, demobs, remobs, ramp-ups, um, you know, distancing and, you know, uh, employee safety. But this is going to be a 2020 story as we get out to 2021. You know, there may be some marginal impacts, but uh, we would see our cost structure improve from uh, from, from next year. So uh, margins look good and less need to even think about hedging the top line we will continue to hedge uh, operating currencies when we when we see the opportunity to lock in the cash flow i think we've been very consistent in that uh, for the last number of years so i would say that is still the philosophy okay and, and maybe just on, on daniel continuing on, on the cost side um you know i appreciate um you know uh, the 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 impacts with with the, the lockdowns on the operations as you bring up the uh, operations to their full capacity. But can you talk about whether you are seeing any inherent, um, you know, costs that are going to be in place going forward from uh, the COVID-19 impact? Um, You know, maybe this social distancing comes with additional costs. Do you see maybe loss in productivity? Can you comment on what in the cost structure do you see longer term from all of this, if any? Yeah, good morning, Tanya. Thanks for the question. The, uh, you know, we saw in Q1, we reported in our MDNA that the impact of COVID was $3.5 million in Q1. So we lost, what, eight, nine days at Malartic and about the same at, uh, at uh, Cerro Moro. Uh, Q2 will be the most impacted. As you, you all know, we restarted uh, both operation uh, late in uh, this month. Malartic will take two to four weeks to be fully ramp up. It's going, it's going fairly well. The mill is at full capacity. It's just the mind to bring it back to full operation. It will take some time. Cerro Moro, the challenge is, is, is bringing the people to the site. You know, 35 to 40% of our employees are outside from Santa Cruz. So it's challenging to bring people from other provinces. So this cost associated with that, they're all embedded in the, the guidance we have set for this year uh, uh, on COVID. So, yes, there are costs. I don't remember, Jason, maybe you can help me uh, what's the amount we've put. I think it's 10 to 15 million impact. Uh, yeah. We don't we don't see that impact coming, uh, being there for next year. For sure, we will revise when we do our budget for 2021 and 2022. Right now, our guidance is not changed for both years as we... We have mentioned we see now uh, some of the Q4 uh, production that would be pushed to Q1 next year, and then Q4 is always our best quarter year. It's, it's still going to be a very good quarter, but some of the uh, the good grade is going to be pushed to 2021, so that will help our our cost that way. So yes, we have included in our in our actual forecast costs. Uh, generate uh, related to COVID. Malartic is a big example. There's 2,000 people working there. So you can ma- imagine uh, respecting the two meters, distancing is, is 
a challenge each day. A thousand people go to site. They have to go to trailers before they even get to site to, to have temperature check questionnaires. And it's even uh, more for the people delivering uh, goods to the, the site. We're lucky at all our mines, without exception, there's no cases. So Malartic, Valdor, Amos, where 99% of our employees coming from, there's no cases. Same at Jacobina, 80,000 people living in town, no cases. So that helps to uh, to maintain our site free and our local communities. But there's a cost to do that. We're lucky by nature, you know, mining, you go underground, a jumbo operator is alone, a scoop operator is alone. Same with big open pit. There's only 1% per truck, shovels, drills. So uh, we reduce cost there. We don't increase cost there. It's mostly to transport the people or bring our employees to their job and then accessing the site where we see some inefficiency. But we think with time, and we're seeing that at Manatic right now, that people are getting more used to being checked and then the process is, is, is going faster. Yeah, I, I guess maybe I wasn't clear. I, I understand, you know, what's happening in Q2 with all the ramp-up. It was more, do you believe, that longer term, so beyond Q2, no. and do, look, do, do, do we have costs that are going to have to stay within the cost structure because of social distancing and or lower productivity that we're going to have to forecast in 21 and beyond, let's say? No. No. Okay, that's what I was asking. Thank you. Yeah. Go ahead, Jason. Yeah, no, I was just going to mention that, you know, this is, um, you know, I think we've got a better line of sight on the shorter-term impacts. I think we're still going to continue to define that as time goes, goes on. And for, for further out, um, we do think these, these costs are, are temporary. To the extent there's any, you know, marginal impacts, I think one of the, you know, things that we're, you know, we're observing as we, we work differently is is uh, finding opportunities for cost savings that perhaps weren't uh, recognized previously. Mm-hmm. So it's a different perspective working like, like we do. So I don't know that we, we can't define it precisely, but I think, you know, directionally, I think we can say to the extent there are marginal costs, I think we've seen opportunities to, to take those costs out of the system or to, you know, to at least, uh, you know, to net them out but we don't we don't have an answer for that yet. But that's going to be the approach. Okay. Well, one, one good yeah. One good example is is traveling. We're not traveling at all right now. All our offices are closed. People are working from home. We closed this quarter without having anyone in our office for now for since uh, uh, early uh, early March. So that shows that this saving maybe we won't we don't need the full space we have here. We don't need to travel as much. Uh, we found out that we can do a lot with the Internet. Same at uh, each our site. Almost everyone that's working in admin uh, job, a finance job, they're all working from uh, from home. So that helps distancing too. When you don't have uh, employees from uh, offices working and you have only the, the mind people, there's some saving to that. So like Jason said, yeah, there's extra cost, but we we have not... Uh, uh, put that in our on our saving yet, but we see some saving coming from opportunities with with this. Mm-hmm. That's good to hear. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There are no further questions registered at this time, so I will turn the meeting back over to Mr. Racine.
Well, thank you, operator. Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us. We hope you are able to join us for our AGM at 11 uh, this morning, Eastern Time, and we look forward to updating you on our second quarter result in July. Please take care and stay safe. Thank you. Thank you. The conference has now ended. Please disconnect your lines at this time, and we thank you for your participation. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.